Okay. Take your Bibles. We're going to look at um, Second Corinthians chapter number two. Second Corinthians chapter number two. Sometimes uh, I was thinking about this this week as I was doing my own devotions and I was reading out of the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5. And uh, and I was really, I guess what prompted this probably this message tonight was the fact that we don't really, um, and I don't know how to say this without somehow giving some kind of um, glory to the devil. But a lot of times we, though we don't want to do that, because we won't talk about the devil or or do much uh, teaching or preaching on it, because we don't want to give him any any more due. But at the same time, uh, if you're there with this verse tonight, Second Corinthians chapter two, you'll see that it says that um, we're not ignorant of his devices and uh, I originally wish that were true that we're not ignorant of his devices but I honestly believe sometimes we don't realize that unbeknownst to ourselves that we actually are being influenced and affected by him Um, the Bible says that uh, I think it was uh, went over that with the young people this morning was were to cast down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and <clears throat> the devil knows the Bible um, and uh, and he knows uh, and, and perverts it and and we have to be wise enough to know um, uh, how the devil may be trying to influence or affect us even as as Christians. So if you're there, we're going to look at read that portions of that scripture together tonight. Second Corinthians chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 1, <clears throat> But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again unto you in heaviness, or if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which made me made sorry by but the same which said sorry by me, and I wrote the same unto you, lest I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, <clears throat> that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, <clears throat> not that I should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if I have caused if I have caused grief, it hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrary wise you ought rather to forgive him and to comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him, 
For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom I ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, it for your sakes, and for I forgave it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, the door was opened unto me of the Lord, and I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, which always causes to triumph in Christ, maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are, not, we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we ask you, Father, to help us. Father, that uh, we would guide my lips, my thoughts. And, uh, Father, that uh, only what you would wish and want for us would be discussed and and uh, persuasively. And that, Father, with a... Uh, Lord, you give us grace to make changes. Uh, Lord, to be able to see things that are wanting and realize that there are needs and there are uh, challenges that, Father, we face. And, and, Father, we need to be able to recognize if we are, as Paul mentioned, that he would he didn't want to do anything but only to the degree that you would have him to do it. So I ask you to bless tonight as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you need to know about the devil? I guess we should know some if we're not ignorant of his devices. The idea is, that are we ignorant? You know, is, is it possible that we could be ignorant of his devices? And I think it's, it behooves us to realize that there's a lot in the Bible, and that's what I, when I read Mark and I was reading just how often they talked about demons and devils, and, and uh, we don't often... Recognize because we don't often, and I think that's to to our own hurt, is because we got to recognize that the devil is about us, and uh, and we're going to look at some verses tonight just to kind of make that emphasis that he could be affecting me, he could be affecting you. Uh, I'd hate to believe that he's uh, he has a great influence, but I have to be able to say, well. Uh, what part of me would he might be affecting or what attitude might I have that he might be using. And, uh, and he doesn't mind doing that. And he doesn't mind uh, cloaking it in, in uh, something other than, and that's maybe why we don't want to think that way, is because we don't want to believe ourselves to be influenced or affected by Satan himself. So I've got just a few things. won't keep you too long, I don't think, tonight. So the device number one is forgiveness versus bitterness. And this is a big one, I'll be honest with you, because I've had bouts of, of, of bitterness trying to root into me, and, uh, and I, I actually have had to fight that. 
because I just know that there's no place for bitterness. There's no place that I can hold on to it. As no matter how grievous you may be uh, uh, challenged in your life or in your thinking, um, you've got to recognize that, that I can't allow me to be uh, uh, to be bitter. And usually, it's not. It's in, you know, it talks about that husbands aren't to be bitter against their wives. Now, I don't know why that would be. I mean, really, especially you know, uh, knowing the sweethearts that God has given us. Why? What would ever be the reason that we'd be bitter against them? Um, I don't take this personally. I really mean that. But it is written in the Bible. Don't be bitter against them. Uh, they might, they are the weaker vessel. They may say, do, and act in ways that might get on our nerves, you know, and uh, might challenge us in that way. But you can't let bitterness be a part of it. How quickly does things digress? And uh, when you hold on to something that you should have been able to forgive. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to look at a few verses together. We see a, uh, the Sermon on the Mount as we best know it. Matthew chapter number 6. We know this as the Lord's Prayer. This is a part of our normal, natural, teach us to pray. How should we pray? What should be the content of our prayers? But he says, after this manner, in verse number 9, he says, Therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, I hope you don't think that's the, the normal thing that you consume at your table, but more of the food that you get from his word. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 that we are to forget our debts as we do our debtors. But then he makes an emphasis on it in verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive, will also forgive you. But, and then he says in verse number uh, 15, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Your trespasses. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. That means if we harbor, and sometimes we, just because you forgot about something for a little while, and boy, whenever the thought of that incident comes back up again, we most often think of this in our homes with spats we may have with our wives, and boy, when it comes back up again, there comes that anger and that bitterness back. Which means that basically you never really did get it resolved. You never really did forgive. You never really did forget. And so really what happens in our relationship to our Heavenly Father? We expect Him, what? To forgive, don't we? We're going to do things probably pretty regularly that are not according to God's word and will. And we have to ask God for forgiveness. Yet if we harbor some unforgiveness in our lives, 
then basically what does God say? Listen, we've got you have got a problem with you. So wouldn't you say maybe your spiritual life was a little bit on hold until you go back and you get that dealt with? It could be somebody in the church. It could be somebody in your home. It could be somebody at work. But whatever it is, we have to learn to forgive. Sometimes we forgive and yet they it doesn't resolve it. We still have to be able to forgive. It's not a problem. They may have a problem, but you shouldn't have a problem. So this device of forgiveness is also the idea of, that we have here. Peter said, wanted to say, well, let's, see, let's get this laid out, Lord, in Matthew chapter number 18. Let's, uh, let's see if we can, you give us uh, some real, uh, I, I want to really understand this as, as you're teaching this. In Matthew chapter number 18, he says in verse 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You know, some people are just very abusive in relationships. Can't we just write somebody off at some point? And we just uh, count them out of our lives? And, and, and listen, no matter, even if they, if they are that way, we, we're not going to hold it against them. You think about it, who's the loser when we hold things against people? Who's really the loser? You are. Your, your spirit is going to be tainted from this point on. The devil really wants you to hold on to things. It doesn't matter who it is. He wants you to, 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 to have an issue. He wants your spirit to be graded by, by a, a, a situation. And so Peter comes and how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Now seven was a number of completeness or wholeness in the Bible. And Jesus said, And I say not unto thee not, uh, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I don't know. Some people would probably try to keep track of that. You know, I, I, okay, I'm just about there. I'm, I can write this guy off. It doesn't work that way. That, that isn't who Christ is. You think of some of, the, some of the individuals that have really done damage and, and, and yet God is willing to take them in. I mean, really, it's just amazing. Um, I, I remember some of the Old Testament prophets that just went wacky and then they uh, done, lived their whole life kind of bad and then I'm trying to think of the one in particular and then at the end of his life he, he really did get things right with God nothing much was good but the, there was something good said right at the end hey got it right at the end and God did forgive so it's amazing the grace of, of the, for, the forgiveness and you and I cannot do that on our own it just can't be done it's impossible it really does require the grace of God. Um, there can be things that could be happening in your marriage. You can't undo them. You can't undo them. You can't change what has happened in the past. The only thing you can do is one of two things. You can be bitter or you can what? You can forgive. Which, what's what's going to be the best? 
What's the greatest opportunity for something really good to happen? Forgiveness, exactly. You're just going to have to learn to say, hey, I, I, I'm not going to hold that against you. And it's going to take the grace of God to do that. And so the Lord gives him that understanding. Forgiveness versus bitterness, the seriousness seriousness of it in God's eyes. You'll see it in Matthew chapter number 5. You want to turn your Bibles there? We'll look back at that again. We want to show just how God looks at it. In verse number 21, you've heard said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill, there will be danger of judgment. Jesus said, But I say unto you, And whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, basically that means empty one, I believe, shall be in the danger of the council. But whoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and now listen to this, you want to go and do something for the Lord and and honor the Lord and serve the Lord. Thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. It means you never got something right with somebody, or didn't attempt to get something right with somebody. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and first what? Get it right. Go there and say, hey, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm holding out on this and I want to get it taken care of. That doesn't mean it's going to get taken care of, but you're going to attempt to. And that's what I think the Lord wants. It says, be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. And, he, and then I've always, when I, this next verse is one that I think is is really the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when you come to offer a gift, there you remember. Also, oh, yeah. And then, it's not, how did that come back to mind? What brought that back to your memory? So the Bible says in verse number 25, Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. The last thing the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life is your adversary. Listen, he works to help you. So sometimes we fight against him when he's trying to really help us. And it could be with this idea of forgiveness versus bitterness. There is grace for forgiveness. And we're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but... In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring in trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Now, this is a verse, brother O, this is probably one we need to memorize. But, you know, we always think that that root of bitterness, it doesn't, you know, once you get a root started with anything, we put it, what was those plants we dug up this last week? Cane of, cane of all. Yeah, she thought it was 
the cane out of the Bible, too, by the time we were done. We started off with a bunch of bulbs about like this. We got it from our neighbor. And they make these, I, they look, they hide our junk, what we put them for. But they grow up about this tall, and they, they're little bulbs you plant in the ground. So I, I cut all these up in little pieces, and I planted them about, what was it, 15, 20 feet? In, the, in front of our, to hide our, our stuff. All right. And I planted each one of them, and every one of them took root. So I think one, one, one didn't come. And they just kept growing and growing. They kept multiplying and multiplying. And then, well, it really looked nice. I said, you know. And uh, my neighbor, Diane, says, uh, you know, uh, if, you, if you get there and dig them up, cut the plants off and save those bulbs, you have them next year. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. We can plant them next year. And, and we didn't have a very good bulb selection this year. So, I, so I, Debbie said she's going to go out there and get that done. And, and I, was, I should have been the one to get it done, but I didn't. And uh, she went out there and cut them down. We got, when we got done, we had, matter of fact, we hauled it in here because we need a place that's cool and dark. And there's a bag, one of those Maynard, Marner, Maynard, Menards bag. And they, they're about this tall. And it's this full. Of these bulbs. And it all started from just wow. One little little root. And it just kept expanding and expanding and expanding. Listen, when you allow any little root of bitterness, what's going to happen with it? It's going to grow. You if you haven't said no, 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 I will not be bitter. I'm not going to hang on to that. I'm going to forgive. By the grace of God, I'm going to forgive no matter what it is. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get around it. I'm not going to hang on to it. Boy, you know your life gets a lot simpler when you can do that. You know you can just rest. And you can just have a sense of peace. Because there, you just don't have any issues with people. And that's the only way. I, I personally honestly believe God understands. I, I, think it, I think it gives you, well, maybe that's why I got so much gray hair. I learned it too late in my life. But I really believe if we can just learn to forgive. Because the alternative is bitterness. And it says springing up to trouble you and thereby it doesn't just mess you up. What happens? Oh man, it's a plague. You, you, you've taint your family. You taint your marriage. You taint your church. Everybody around you gets a little bit of, of your nastiness. Right? Because you've got, you got an issue. How many of you know anybody that's just got a, just, just wasted with bitterness? It's not fun. You got to find out where the bitterness. I'm not. I'm not going to be like that. Not going to allow it. All right. Forgiveness, bitterness. Ephesians chapter four and verse thirty-one. You might want to turn there. We'll see this as, as the Bible speaks of not being able to hold on to it. Chapter four. Ephesians, in verse number 31. Because it mentions a litany of uh, vices, I believe, here. Again, it's, uh, you can be adversarial with, your, with the Holy Spirit in this. It goes into verse 26, don't be angry. You steal, don't steal. Uh, don't give a place... Uh, 
Give to those that need it. Let no corrupt communication, verse 29, proceed out of your mouth. But be gracious. Give us things that people should like to hear. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God where you're sealed until the day of redemption. Let what? What's it say about bitterness? All of it. All of it. No matter what anybody's ever done to you. Well, how many have heard some stories about horrendous things done to people and they, they seek people out to say, it's okay, I forgive you. Horrendous. I mean, murdering their, uh, and just, you, I mean, it doesn't, there's no end. And yet they say, I, it's okay, I forgive you. Can, can, can you imagine somebody that's done something wicked and vile to somebody else without prompting you go and say, listen, I don't hold it against you. That's got to be the grace of God. There's no other way. That's, that's, a, that's a virtue. That is the, one of the greatest evidences that you are living for the Lord Jesus Christ because you're not going to let bitterness hang on. But it is a device of the devil. And I believe it's the number one device. I've got five devices, but I'm going to spend most of my time talking about this one. Why? Because I believe there's people sitting in this room that got some little root of bitterness. You can't have it with anybody. Kids, you can't have it with your parents. Husbands, you can't have it with your wives, nor wives with their husbands. You can't have it with another member in the church. You've got to love what? Your enemies. Do good to them to hurt you and persecute you. Say all manner of evil against you. you still got to what? Forgive them. Got to let go of them. It's just the way Christians do. Now, it doesn't mean we don't hold them accountable. You still got to tell them if they do wrong, right? Hold them accountable. But you're not going to be hold it against them. It says, let all bitterness, bitterness, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away. But listen, that all, they all fit together, really. You got one, you're going to have the other. Won't labor that anymore. James chapter 3. There's about four verses we're going to look at here. They're all tied together. I think it'd be good. It all fits with the same um, vein of thought. James chapter number 3. Starting in... Of course, James is speaking of the tongue, and of course, this is in the abundance of your heart. This is going to happen. The Bible says in verse number 8, But the tongue can no man tame. Is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, wherewith we bless we God, and even the Father, and therewith we curse the we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth, mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not to be so. So let's just, let's give some scenarios here. Let's give a little scenario. Somebody hurts you. A little bit, a lot, it doesn't matter. You get home and you roast that person in your, with your family. How does God think about that? You have this little pity party in your home. 
And what does God think about that? He's got an issue with it, doesn't he? No, we're not going to talk about it. For anything, we're going to pray for him. Well, you know, that's a killer of bitterness to me. You got something you want to be bitter about? Just start praying for him. You get over it. How many have done that? I, I, you, you're in your mind. You want to do what? Ah! <laughs> no, we're going to just pray for him. You get home and you can't get it off your heart. You can't get it off your mind. Hey, let's just sit down and pray for him. You're going to pray that they, boy, I hope the devil comes down. I hope the, I hope the Lord just sends a bolt of lightning, right? Blast them right out of the ground. Is that how we're going to pray? No. You're going to say, oh, God, bless them with the ability to get things right. Help me to be a blessing in the, in the cause. To me, that's, that's the idea that you really do have the heart and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 <clears throat> In verse 10, out of the same mouth, or verse number 11, doth a fountain send forth out of the same place? Sweet water and bitter. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, berries, and vine figs? So no fountain can both yield salt, water, and fresh. So you really got to find out if there is a root of bitterness. It's not something that you want to hang on to. It's something you want to get over. And so you just stop what you're doing. It's just like the Bible says. You can don't, don't try to go on and serve God when you haven't got this taken care of. It's going to be the number one thing the devil will use. Because really, what is God all about? Forgiveness. So what is the devil all about? Unforgiveness, right? So if we're going to say, listen, if he's going to use just the opposite of, of who Christ is, I'm not going to allow him. Second thing he's going to use, we're going to move on. He's a liar. Boy, that's a big one. Not as big as the thing, thing with bitterness, but it's a big one. It's so important to be honest. John chapter 8, verse 44, if you want to turn there, <clears throat> Jesus says out front to some religious individuals, ye are of your father the devil. Wow, <laughs> that's strong. And the lust of your father will you do? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. I, I highlighted, underlined that, or bold printed that in there. He abode not in the truth. Well, you know what? That's why this, this knowing your Bible and studying your Bible and memorizing your Bible gives you greater opportunity not only to know it, but to obey it. Not to play games with it. Not to make excuses with it. If we're not a soul-winning church, we need to what? We need to be a soul-winning church. If we're not a praying church, we need to what? Be a praying church. You know, if, if we're a lazy church, we need to get out of our laziness. If we're selfish. We need to be, don't above, don't stay in, a, in some kind of lie. Be honest with yourself. The only way you're ever going to change things is say this isn't right. Make it right. Do something to change it. And to bo- to abide in the uh, truth is where we want to be. He says, there's no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own. For he's the liar and the father of it. So it's a little bit like bitterness. You, you allow, allow a little lie to be in your life. 
And you can invite more lies. Isn't that easier, right? If you make some... Ex- uh, what was that brother uh, Hoover? I ought to write that down. I ought to put it on a board. And remember, it just was so... It's one of those sayings that never becomes trite. He, he says, he says an excuse is a lie that you tell, tell that has a thin layer of... I'm, I'll have to get somebody to get me to write that down. The thin layer of truth wrapped around it. Maybe that's it. It's something that you basically have bought yourself into and say, yeah, I can, this is a good enough excuse. It looks good. Yourself, you know it's really just a... What is an excuse, by the way? It's a lie that you believe. And you hope somebody else will believe it too. You've convinced yourself. You just hope other people be convinced by your excuse making. And I've, I've done my share of it. Shame on me. All right, device number three is a deceiver. All right, middle turn there, Mark, Matthew chapter number seven, if you will. Matthew chapter number seven. Healthy, healthy way to think. Matthew chapter number seven. Verse number 15. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. Guess who who could that be? Who are prophets that come in sheep's clothing? They claim to be what? Christian, right? They claim to be loving God and serving God and doing the same thing you're doing. Is it possible? Is it possible? We don't want to think this way. But could it be possible that a Christian could be one that's wearing sheep's clothing? I'm sure that it's talking basically about those with all the false doctrine. But in a way, we could be used of the devil if we uh, cloak ourselves as, as being right with God and we're really not. We're going to have the Lord's Supper here next Sunday, right? The next Sunday or week from Sunday? Week from Sunday. 29th. And boy, the, that's why the Lord's Supper is initiated. It's that we don't do things in vain. We don't, uh, we don't practice some kind of false uh, Christianity. And so he says, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Means God saying, "I know what's on the inside. You can you can put on some kind of outside show. I really know what you're like on the inside. Angry, bitter, selfish, proud, unforgiving. Name it. Verse four. Matthew chapter Matthew chapter twenty four. In verse number 4, we're going to turn back to get that one. Matthew chapter 24. Verse number 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. 
verse 5. So the idea there, there's many of them. Use the name of Christ, yet really are phony baloney. That's why it's so important. I, that's why I guess I emphasize that you you be in the word, you be in prayer. And I think there's greater chance that you'll be right with God. It could be a greater chance when God speaks you obey. But really, if we're not consistent in those areas, could we be a deceiver? It is it possible? You kind of deceive your children, right? You could be saying, this is the way Christians are supposed to be. And yet you're not really fulfilling what Christians are supposed to be doing. And really, you're deceiving your own children. That's, that's a, probably the worst deception there is. If you're not really right, you'd say, well, kids, we really need to be doing it. We're not doing it, but we really need to be. And we're going to make a greater effort to do it. At least you're not being putting on some kind of cloak of, of saying you're right, and you're really not. Number four, we're not going to linger much longer. This is a big one. One that I... Uh, be careful... Remember even James, I think in the book of James, when the devil argued for the body of Moses, and he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Got to really be careful. Be careful how you handle yourself. Especially when we're dealing with people that we're not sure about. The Bible says in verse number 10 of Revelation chapter 12, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And look what the last phrase says. Which accused them before our God, what? Day and night. Now, there's two ways to look at this. One, most obvious, is we don't want to be in that kind of a scorner's seat. And we want to be careful that, hey, we'll, we make mistakes and our brothers and sisters in the Lord do the same thing. We've got to have a willingness to, to work with them and, and help them deal with it, not just be an accuser. But secondly... Think about this. Maybe it's me more than you. But just think when we do wrong. Think about it. When we say or act or behave in a way that we shouldn't do, what do you think the devil's doing the moment we do that? Where's he heading? I'm going to go down to the throne room of God. I'm going to say, hey, you know, Frank, you know, uh, Pastor Teasdale, you know, you know that one you got pastoring down there at Garfield Ridge? You know that one that uh, you set up to be there? You know what he did the other day? And he really did do it? Wow. Think about that. And God has to listen to the devil say some things about you that are actually true. Because he is an accuser of the brother. But guess what? One thing to look at, not, and it's no excuse to live ungodly. One thing we can rest in is we're covered by the blood. But don't, don't take that for granted. 
Don't give the devil some reason to go down and accuse you before God. And you need to be careful that we don't accuse. Don't, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Pray for people. Well, you know, if we do more praying than can criticize, we'd be a lot better off. Spiritually ourselves, and we'd do a lot more good for that person that's struggling in some way, shape, or form. Just pray for them. Well, we just learn to pray for people instead of talking about them. Do a lot of good. I think I got one more here on this one. Interesting, we all know this. What did, you, what did the devil say to God? You know, that Job, he's just, he really, his motives for serving you isn't really because he loves you. It's because you bless him. He just, you just give him too much. Wow, isn't that rotten of him? But you know, the de- does the devil know your weaknesses? Sure he does. And he exploits those. So what should we, if the devil knows our weaknesses, what should we do? We're not ignorant of his devices, right? What should we do? You should find out, really deal with things in your life that are not right. So that he don't exploit those things. And guess what? He not only, I think he not only points them out to God, but I think he points them out to other people. He has a lot of ability to do things that we don't want, want think he does. I'm going to do this one here, this last one I think on Accuser of the Brethren. We can find it in our Bible. We don't go there often. Shame on me. Maybe we need to. Zechariah. One of the minor prophets. Whoever gets there first, tell us where it's at. (laughs) Thanks, Glenn, your help. You're a real blessing. All right, I found it. Almost uh, before Malachi. Does that help? Zechariah chapter number 3. This is, I've got the right book. Chapter 3. Verse number 1, he showed... Me, Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side. By the way, you know, a parallel verse, where's the parallel verse to this? That shows this same thing happening. We just talked about it. Job. The sons of God stood before God, and who showed up? Said the devil. By the way, the sons of God are not demons. Don't get messed up with that false doctrine. In verse number two, and the Lord said unto Satan, Lord, <coughs> the Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this the brand plucked out of the fire? So even though Satan has some Liberty, God speaks back at him. 
He tries to destroy. I think that's what happened to Balaam. Got messed up that way. He got to looking at all the things that were wrong about Israel. And he began to join the devil. That's a good, that's a good study, by the way. And it's, a, it's referred in Revelation as well about Balaam. So just understand that. He's an accuser of the brethren. And we don't want to get in, involved in that. And last of all, we're not going to spend any time on this. We all know this is wrong. And probably it could be number one as well, is pride. Anytime there's a root of pride in our lives, it always has an ill effect on us. And I could go verse after verse after verse after. I could do a whole, a whole sermon on pride. Maybe I should. But really, that was the beginning and the end of Lucifer. When he got lifted up, we can get lifted up about anything and everything. We can get lifted up by our looks. We can get lifted up by our station in life. We can get lifted up by our family. We can get lifted up by anything. And any time we do that, what happens? We're taking a step out of the will of God. We're taking a step away from the relationship with God. Because God has nothing to do with pride. Who should always get the glory? If we just keep that in mind, we keep pride in its place. Who should always get the glory? Any good thing happens in your life, who should get the glory? God get the glory. We're going to praise God and thank God. Even when things don't go right, we're going to thank God for it. Because pride is such a wicked and vile thought. And anytime, and it, how many of you have a, pr- a proud thought every day? Oh man, it just it, it just encompasses you about. And I, I how many? And I remember, I I don't know how many times a day I say, "Oh God, forgive me. I don't want to think like that. I don't want to be like that. I have nothing to be proud about." And boy, if we just keep a, a, a sense that no, that's so evil to think like that and behave like that. Because listen, folks, we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. We should know how he works. We should realize that before he gets some kind of hold on us, whether it's through bitterness, whether it's a little tinge of not being honest with ourselves or with somebody else, being humble enough to admit when when we've done wrong, I talked about that this morning in, about baptism when I was talking about, you know, you, you, if you do right with your kids and you discipline them correctly, they will be what? They'll be humble. They won't be proud. And they'll be, you know what? It's, you find a young person with a, with a humble heart, they are very, listen to me, just the opposite of what the world tells you. When you find a young or an older person that is very humble. They are, listen to, please, if you have to write it down, they are very secure in who they are. Because they know they're sinners, and they know they're saved by grace, and they know that God is leading their life, and they know they need God's help. And if somebody's got some advice for them, they willingly take it and say, you know, hey, thanks, I could probably use that. 
Instead of getting their back up in the air because somebody is reproving them for something. So let's work at those things. Let's not... We don't talk about the devil. But is he, is he, is he alive and well? Is he working in your family, in your life, and in this church? Oh, does he want to get a foothold? And he'll use any of these five things that I mentioned tonight. And there's more. But you're, we're going to stand up and say, no, I know how, I know that's you. The de- I, you know. I mean, when the, when the Lord himself says to Peter, right to his face, what did he say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Wow. <laughs> I'd be, <laughs> be called the devil. But boy, you get out of the, you start mouthing and acting like the devil, and that's just how the Lord feels. Just get back. You're not being any help to me. Let's stand as we close. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I ask you'd help me, <clears throat> probably affected more than I even want to admit by the devil. And I, I pray that you'd help us as a church, that, Father, that we, if we've been ignorant of his devices and how he's worked to undermine our families or our, or, or our marriages or our church or just personal relationships, Father, that, that, Lord, we'd humble ourselves tonight, cry out for some help. And we'd cry out that, God, you'd, first of all, forgive us for being so ignorant that he we've been used and we knew he existed but we didn't take it personally and yet he has had a heyday he's enjoyed having the freedom to wreak havoc among us because we uh, didn't deal with uh, any part of us that was manifesting itself as being him so please first of all forgive us and then help us father that as we recognize these things the father we deal with immediately we see him in ourselves we see him in our children we see an opportunity that we push back we wouldn't just we pray for people and and we'd say right things and, and honest things and pure things. Uh, Father, that he wouldn't have advantage on us. So please have mercy and give us grace, Father, that this week would be a better week. Uh, Father, we would be a better testimony. Uh, that Father, our minds would be pure and no more uh, godlike than ever before. Bless this invitation only you can in Jesus' name. And it's going to play. Maybe you need to come. Say, God, help me. I think the devil's had some room to wiggle in my life. I think he's taken advantage of me. I think he's 